0: So Romans chapter 8 is where we've, we, we've come up to. Romans is uh, building a foundation for a church that is about to face persecution. Now, we know it's not only for that because the Holy Spirit left it in the Bible for us. We're gaining a perspective because of it. But when it was originally written, it was written for a church that was about to face stormy waters. And I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow, but I know that if we get grounded in the word of God and the spirit of God gives us that light for those dark hours, I know we're going to be okay. One of the things that I was talking about earlier today is that, um, you know, if you get a testimony, right, you get a testimony, you have to pay the price of a test to get it. Every, we used to have testimonies, you know. Sometimes people would stand up and share testimonies, and you know, God brought me through this, and God did this for me, and 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 those are awesome. But you know what? Every single one of those testimonies was a a test to that person. It tested their faith. It tested what they were made of. It tested what was in them. Amen. It tested what they trusted in. It tested what they leaned on. And and you know it's not popular to say this but not everybody passes the test some some people don't some people when when the testing comes and the and the pressure is applied and 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 you get you know the something happen that's not pleasant a lot of times people will draw back they'll draw away they'll pull back from god or from the church or from their family they'll pull back from all kinds of things But but the more grounded you get in the word of God, the more prepared you are for the storms that come. And you see that as Jesus declared in in Matthew chapter seven, you know that that's how, you know, when somebody truly believes on the Lord, it's not that uh, you see that person. I mean, they they can't go two days without, you know, something wrong happening to them. They must be living wrong. Now, that's not true. But the the way that you know is that they still continue in the faith. See, because storms come on every one of us. Storms come in every person's life. Storms come to every person. Jesus said the wind and the rain beat upon every one of those houses. But the one that was built on the rock is the one that withstood. And so why am I bringing that out? Because this foundation, it became a rock for them to stand on and and whenever you see this transition from romans chapter 7 to chapter 8 you kind of begin to see the inside i'm gonna uh we're gonna begin in in chapter 8 verse 1 chapter 8 verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now I want to begin to, to proceed in in verse one. Notice, notice in verse one that there's there is this one thought. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But if he would have ended it there, then we would have had a sloppy grace applied to the church. If he would have said there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ, then there would have been a sloppy grace. People would have said, I can live however I want to live, and you can't tell me any differently. But he didn't end it there. Notice that he didn't end it there and, and that's for a reason the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing, but but it is true There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ if you're in Christ the, Who condemns you the devil is the one that condemns but if you're in Christ guess what? He can't touch you He can falsely accuse you he can lie about you, but he can't touch you There is a limit that the devil can do in your life just like with Job, when, when God said you can go this far, you can take his family, you can take his finances, you can take his health, but you cannot take his life. There was a line that the devil could not cross, and when it comes to your soul, there's a line that the devil can't cross, and that's th- that line, it, it is the bloodline. There is a bloodline that is applied over our lives. And we know that no matter how, how you know, strongly the demons rage, and no matter how dark the nights get, and, 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 and no matter how hard things come against us, we know this, the devil himself can't cross the bloodline. That's what we know. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So the condemning one is the devil, Lucifer. He's, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that he is the accuser of the brethren. This is his MO. This is what he does. He accuses the brethren. What does he accuse them of? Smelling good? Smelling bad? No. He accuses them of being hypocrites. He accuses them of not being saved. He accuses them of being still in their sin. So what does he do? He brings back to your remembrance sin that you did before Calvary. He'll bring back to your remembrance who you were. And he'll try to tell you that that's who you are in in a condemning manner. But the Bible says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. If you believe by faith and you got into Christ by faith, then you know that the devil cannot touch you. The devil cannot cross that bloodline. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Now, if we're not in Christ, then any charge applies. If we're not in Christ, we're still liars, we're still fornicators, we're still thieves, we're still adulterers and adulterers, we're still all that. We're all that and more. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. In Christ, things change. Now, he clarifies that as he goes on. Look at this next, the next phrase. He says, uh, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk. Aha. Uh-huh. Who walk. This... this the walking here means an active, participating, or, or what we would call it is a relationship aspect to the faith. This is not a dormant faith. This is not something that you get out of an encyclopedia, you dust it off, you read it, you say, oh yeah, that's it. This walking, it, it, it indicates that there is a relationship aspect to our faith. That if we don't have this relationship aspect going on, then something misfired. Something didn't start right. If you ever, you know, tried to go and you start your, your car and the battery is dead or the alternator is dead, you're not going anywhere. And in the same way with our faith, if, if we're not walking our faith out, there's been a misfire in what somebody told us and what we believed. There was a disconnect somewhere. Somebody somebody, either intentionally or unintentionally gave us some false information or we misheard it or the devil jammed the signal and we didn't get it right. But when we understand the principles of the gospel and we know what God is telling us, they're, they're, this relationship aspect activates. This walking out activates. So uh, one, one uh, gospel minister said it like this. He said that, that um, it, it is faith and faith alone that gets us saved, right? He said, but it is works and works alone that tells the world you're saved. Because you can tell anybody you're saved, right? You can tell anybody you're saved, but it's, it's when you have a changed life that people can see it. The, the world sees. God knows. You don't have to show God. God knows who I am. I don't have to I don't have to wear a tie for God. That's you see what I'm saying? God knows who I am on the inside. I don't have to I don't have to go cut the grass of the church for God. He knows he knows whether I'm saved or not already. Now, then I may do some of those things because I love him or because he's compelled me to. But it's not to it's not to prove my salvation to him. You see what I'm saying? So when we're talking about this walking out, what it means is that we've been so affected on the inside that we must let it go out on the outside. If we were preaching a Pentecostal church right here, we would say that, that, that God, got so, God fired me up so much on the inside that it began to move to the outside. How many of you know sometimes we can, repre- we can, we can push back against that? Have you ever been in a situation where you know God was stirring your soul, but you push back? You know, sometimes whenever the Holy Spirit's moving and, you know, one of the gifts of the Spirit is, is an encouraging word. It's, it's to bring a word of encouragement to the church. And God may be compelling you on the inside, in your spirit, to go and encourage somebody. And you know what the flesh does? They know that. They know that. They don't need that. See, we, we push back what God's trying to do. But when we have this relationship, this walk with the Lord going, and, and, and it's coming in, and then we allow it to affect us to the going out. This is where the relationship begins. So this walking, this word walk here, it indicates a change. This, so what we're talking about um, is going from the paper of theology to the flesh of neology. We're talking about how things go from something that I learned in a dusty book to something that I live with a life by faith. This is that transforming that takes place. The walk means I'm allowing these words to affect my soul to the point that it affects my hands and my feet and my mouth and my eyes and everything else about me. This walk is not just how you walk. Back in the day, they you know, um, I, th- people would walk with the limp you know and they would walk with, you know they would do all these different kinds of walks to show that they were they were hip or cool or something like that but this is not a this is not an act it's not a it's not just about a walk it's it's this is life this is how you live that's what the words talking about so this uh this change that takes place God is saying there is a change that takes place in every aspect about who you are. So there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's let the choir sing on that one. Praise the Lord. And let's shout for glory. But there, there, there comes this word here. It says who walk. Who walk. You have to get that. You, you, and, and each one of us in different seasons, this hits differently. Sometimes, you know, if, if you're walking with Jesus, sometimes, you know, it may not look like it did 10 years ago. It may look differently, but that's okay because God doesn't want you to get comfortable in your flesh. You can get, you can get comfortable in the way that you serve, and you can get in, in a, dare I say it, rut you can get in a rut spiritually by doing the same thing over and over and over and over if it's not got that anointing on it, if it's not consecrated to God, if it's not coming from a place where you're being compelled by the Spirit of God to walk it out. We can get in a rut. We can get comfortable, right? Well, I'm, I, you know what, Pastor? I'm not comfortable leading Sunday school. I'm comfortable working in the parking lot duty. I'm saying that one because that was my first job in the church, right? Parking lot duty assistant parking lot duty that's okay but you know what God I could have stayed there but God told me not to stay there you see what I'm saying but I could have got comfortable there I could have got in a rut and I could have gotten dormant in my walk with God but God is all the time growing you God is all the time growing you God is interested in pruning you so that more fruit is born in your life you know that there's some trees that if you don't prune them, they're going to die sooner than they normally would. Did you know that? I, I, I mean, I, I grew up with farm animals and things like that, but not much about trees. But I, I, when I read that, I found that out. It's shocking to me how you can't see that played out in John 15. God God so much loves and desires to see fruit come out of your life through your relationship with him that he will prune you so that you'll, A, bear more fruit. But you know what? It preserves your life. It preserves the vitality of your spiritual life. You don't coast. You don't get in a rut. You don't get, uh, (laughs) ah, Uh, you know, I don't know about Bible study, you get in that rut. But if, if, the, if the Holy Spirit is pruning you, and sometimes he'll take things away from you that, make, that are comfortable. Sometimes he'll take away um, a crutch of comfortability to get you to what? Lean on the Spirit. To get you to lean on the Spirit. There's times that the Lord will grow you, and that's how he does that. And so uh, with that said, he, just at the beginning, he said, who walk, Not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's two different kinds of walks according to the Apostle Paul. You can walk according to your flesh, or you can walk according to the Spirit. Now, if you're not born again, you can't do that. So it's no use in you trying to tell somebody that's not saved that they need to walk and talk and act like they're saved. You know what we say is, you can't expect the world... To not act like the world. They don't have Jesus. But once they have Jesus, then we can show them. We can tell them, but you know what? They have something better than us. They have the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's what I want you to see. There is a walk of the flesh and there's a walk of the Spirit. Until we're saved and born again, we're just walking by the flesh. That's what the world does. That's why the world does the things that it does. This is why one of the things that you know uh, Charles Finney he said that as goes the pulpit so goes the nation. Why did he say that? Because our job is not to go and, and put, put potpourri on the sin of the world. That's not our job. Our job is to is to get our house in order. Our job is to live right before God. Our job is to is to purify our lives through the influence of God, and to, and to live out our faith. So there's the walk of the flesh and the walk of the spirit. This um, this correlation, it, it, it goes on all throughout the Bible, all throughout every book of the Bible. Um, let me show you over, and keep keep your finger there. Let me show you about the walk in 1 John 1, 6. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. Now, when when we're talking about the influence of the spirit in our life, what we're really meaning is when, when I say the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what we're really meaning is the power of Pentecost in a daily manner. So my my Pentecost was great. I remember the day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember that. I remember there was an empowerment. I remember the I remember the feeling. I remember all that. But you know what? I can't live off those fumes from those years ago. I need a daily time with God. I need a daily Pentecost. I have to live if I'm and if I'm not living in a daily kind of Pentecost way, then what am I? I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to live the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Not very well. That, I don't know about you, but I know the times that I've tried to live the Christian life without the aid and influence of the Holy Spirit, flat on my face. Flat on my face. What do you mean by flat on your face? Well, let's just say it like this. You get way more touchy. Things, you get very sensitive to people hurting your feelings and not thanking you. You get very sensitive to things not going your way. You get very touchy. Well, you know, pastor knows that that I got good taste in art, and he didn't ask me what color we were going to paint the, the carpet. Or, I mean, the walls. <laughs> Don't paint the carpet. They do that in the nursery, right? <laughs> But do you see what I'm saying? We get, we get highly offended about things because we get really touchy, whereas when, when we're aided and, and influenced by a daily Pentecost, a daily influence of the Holy Spirit, we're walking with the Lord, and, and we can overlook faults because God overlooks ours. But if we're living by the flesh, uh-uh, you're not going to do me that way this time. You don't cross me one too many times. That's, you know, You've done forgotten about me, or you know I don't like that. That, that kind of thing comes out now. We're talking about in the church, but you know what we need this kind of living in our homes We we need we need husband's to start overlooking the faults of the wives instead of always picking them out It, it we need to start overlooking those things and vice-versa in, in 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 our family with our children or our grandchildren or our, our siblings neighbors you know what, they put their trash on my side for the last time. I'm going to go dump it all over their yard. They, these things happen. And they, they may sound silly, and they do, because that's, the flesh will make you do things that make you look silly. That's the flesh's goal, one of them. But if we're living in that daily Pentecost, then we know and understand there's a higher thing going on. We have a job. It's not to fight with our neighbor about whose trash is on what side of the yard. We know that they're a soul. That unless they come to saving faith in Christ, they're going to perish in hell for eternity. And if Christ is in us, then they have a claim on our life. We have a responsibility to live godly to them so that they can see God's light. We have that responsibility, and we will be held in account for that. If, if, if all we go around and do is, is open doors for people and not give them Jesus, we're going to be held in account for that. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say, if we say, now why, why am I pointing this out? Because he said earlier, there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus who walk, right? Who walk not according to the flesh. Do you have you ever, or have you ever seen somebody, right? Have you ever seen somebody, or have you ever been in a place in your religious life that you said you were right with God, but you weren't living it? I'll raise my hand on that. I'll raise my hand on that. There was a time that I said, right, that I said I was right. I, you know, we we support uh, and and we're partners with with Pastor Troy Bond down in New Orleans and they go and they minister every Friday and Saturday on Bourbon Street and one of the things I love about their ministry is is that sometimes you'll get Christians that are out there reveling and drunker than a skunk and they'll begin to argue with these people you know but what they're doing is they're 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 arguing from the flesh are you with me there's times that that we've done things and we said that we were right with God when we weren't, when we weren't. Look what he says here. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that's a relationship, that's the walk. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, that's an amazing statement because if... If, if, if we're honest, if we're honest, this should correct a lot of the issues in the church. Now, I understand somebody's going to say, well, define darkness, pastor. Okay, you can get in on that. But notice what he's saying, though, is that there's a hypocrisy. There's a hypocrisy for somebody to say that they know God, but to live contrary to that knowledge if you say you know god you can't live contrary to that knowledge that's what he's saying now if we if if, if it continues on there's a, there's a colon there so let's continue on he says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of jesus christ his son cleanses us from all sin now based on those passages right there who is cleansed by the blood of the lamb those who have that active walk those who were walking in the spirit not the flesh this is a perfect parallel to romans 8 verse 1 perfect parallel you you can see it right there those that, that are not uh condemned in christ are those that walk in the spirit. And those that walk in the spirit are the ones that are are walking in the light are those that are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. You know what? If you're cleansed by the blood of the lamb, nobody can condemn you. The devil can't condemn you. That's what I was saying. The bloodline, the devil cannot cross. So if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, received him, believed the gospel, and, and he is your savior, you've been born again. You've been born again. The blood's been applied to your soul, and now you're walking. Now, you don't start out perfect. You don't start out on top. Paul teaches that in the book of Philippians. He said he didn't, he has not attained, but he strives for. He reaches forth for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. But what do we do? We strive for it. There's a, there is a, there's a refining. There's a, you know what, I don't need to do that again. Now, what, and like I said, you don't start out perfect. You don't start out perfect. There was a, a, a time in my life that, that um, you know, I, I, I was, you know, very much an alcoholic, very much an alcoholic. And when I got saved, God touched my life so much that that bondage was broken, just broken. And one of the things that happened is, I remember, you know, every every night I would go to the same bar, you know, and, and I would sit there, and they knew what I wanted. So after I got saved, I didn't really have anything else to do. So after work, I went to that same bar. Why? Why did I go there? Because my flesh, that's what my flesh did. But there was something different going on on the inside. So I walk in, I sit down, and I said, he, he said, here's your drink. I said, I don't want it. What do you mean you don't want it? It's what you always do. I know, but I got saved yesterday. Then what are you doing here? I don't know. This is just after work. This is just where I, I didn't even know what I was doing. But there was something on the inside that prohibited me from going into the darkness. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I didn't have a pastor there with me. I didn't even have a, a Sunday school teacher there with me, but I had the Holy Ghost with me. And, and the Holy Ghost was guiding me, but there, why am I bringing that out? Because, you, you, you know, from the outside, from the outside, that may look wrong. This guy got saved yesterday, and look at him going in the bar. From the outside, can you see how that would look? This guy went up to the altar last yesterday this guy went to the altar yesterday and got saved now look at him he's going back to the bar I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't go in there and drink I just said and once the bartender said well what are you doing I said I don't know and that's when I got up I went to my truck call my I remember I called my mom I don't know what to do with my life I got saved I got Jesus I got the Holy Spirit and now I don't know what to do there's a learning curve is what I'm trying to say, but in, and, in, and, and everybody's life is a little bit different. There may be different bondages that the Holy Spirit breaks in each one of our lives, but it's about growing in that walking in that and you don't start out on top, but you just start walking. You just start growing it out. You just start, you you, you you begin to walk and then the Holy Spirit will give you more light and then he'll give you more light and then he'll give you more light and he'll give you more light. And you know what? He doesn't stop. You, that's why you don't get in a rut. He'll, just, he'll keep giving you more light. If you'll obey the Holy Spirit in this season, he'll give you plenty of light for the next season. If you obey him today, he'll give you plenty of light tomorrow. And there's there's those times that we have to understand it's about an ongoing walk it's a walk in light it's about the lord purifying us creating in us a, a, a desire for holiness creating in us a zeal for righteousness and and growing in that knowing and understanding look We're not perfect, just like Paul said. We've not attained. We're not all that in a bag of chips. We've not reached it yet. Even the apostle Paul said that, but there was a desire to. There was a, a turning away from the darkness and a turning towards the light and pressing forward and letting the Holy Spirit, like the wind in the sail, push you towards holiness. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? He he pushes you, just like the wind in a sail pushes the boat along, the Holy Spirit will push you not into the dark alley, but into the bright light. That's what he's saying. And it is a it is a walk that we must walk out. It is about a relationship. So when we and and you can turn back to Romans eight verse one. Romans eight verse one. So there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk, who walk. What about those who don't walk? Well, I don't know. But what I do know is that the blood of Jesus cleanses those who walk in the light. That's what we just read. We just read that. And, and, and here you see that the, there's no condemnation to those that walk. How? How? Now, everybody that I know that names the name of Christ, especially the ones that, you know, you may see a thing on Facebook, judge not. Judge not, and then they black out everything else after that. But the condemnation, it, you're free from condemnation if, if, if you walk in the Spirit. It's a condition. It's a condition. Were you trying to tell me, pastor, that I got to be perfect and I got to live right in order to... No, that's not what I'm saying. Did you not just hear me? I mean, I definitely wasn't perfect going to a bar the day after I got saved. I'm I, and I'm not I it, you know, I'm ashamed to admit that I did that. Look how messed up I was. But look how good God is. And, and as you take those steps of faith with God, he'll grow you and he'll give you more light and he'll, he'll, he'll put more wind behind that sail. But it's, it's about moving towards that standard, towards that, that goal of righteousness and, and desiring it. So who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So look now, look at verse number two. It says, for the law of the spirit of life the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, that, that verse right there actually sums up chapter 7. That verse right there actually sums up chapter 7. Because chapter 7, if you remember, it talked about how just like a woman would be tied to her husband in marriage and she couldn't go live with anybody else. But if the husband died then she would be free to go marry another. And and for us, for us that are in Christ Jesus, we died to the law if we died in him. If we're crucified in him, we're dead to the law in Christ. We are dead to the law in Christ. We are dead to the law in Christ. If we're not in Christ, it's still over our head. But if we're in Christ, we're dead to the law. He repeats this in other places like uh, here in Romans chapter 10 and Galatians uh, chapter 2, over and over. You'll see this throughout the Bible. Now, one of the things I want you to see, though, is that there's a law of sin and death that we're free from. But what are we free to? Are, Are you free to be a free agent? Are you free to come and go when you want, how you want, and live where you want, and do what you want? I run the show now. Jesus is my co-pilot. I'm running this boat now. It used to be sin running my life, but now I'm here, and Jesus is in the co-pilot chair. Is that how it is? But if we're honest, that's how a lot of people live. If we're honest, we might have kind of lived that way a time or two. But what he's saying is there's, there's two different laws. If you're not under the Old Testament law, guess what? That means you've been sucked into the law of the Spirit. Now you're married to the law of the Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to be married to the law of the Spirit? That's the inner working of the Holy Ghost in your life. It's that that means that you have an obligation to come before God and and get filled up and purified and refined and fired up. That means you 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 know just like a fire you t- you you have this fire going. You take a stick out of the fire long enough, what happens to the fire? It goes out. Well, what happens when you stick it back in the fire? Lights up again. Same thing with us. This is why we need that time with God. We need to go back into that prayer closet so we can get back into that bonfire and and let the fire of God come upon our soul and refine us and purify us and fill us with this Holy Spirit of God again. And then we can go out into the world and burn like a bright light in a dark world. And then we go back to the Lord and, and, and we get fired up again. This is the law of the Spirit, and there's there's so many different aspects to it. The power of the Pentecostal life in daily living will far exceed any effort that we can do on our own. I promise you, if, if you get so fired up with the Spirit of God, if you'll get alone in the, in the... Look, oh, these Pentecostals, these Pentecostals. Look, every serious man or woman of God always talked about this. They might have used different words. They might have called it the second blessing. They might have called it the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They call it all... But it's about uh, the Holy Spirit of God coming upon you so much that you are clothed with a new power that is not your own but it is God. It is very God from Dio Moody, Andrew Murray, Charles Spurgeon, even talking the Baptist guy, Charles Spurgeon, he even talked about it. All of them did because we need the influence of God in our lives on a daily basis. Not just for the hour of testing, not just so we can get a testimony, not just so that what we did 40 years ago, we can talk about it every now and then, but we this chapter is about the power of Pentecost in a daily way of living. So it's, it is about the influence. This is what I want you to get. This is about the influence of the Spirit of God in our lives today. And if, if, if we're not allowing the Spirit of God to influence our lives today, there's a problem. There's a problem. It, it's either through ignorance or it could be through something more sinister. Right? So, you know, there's times that we just don't know any better. That's okay. God will give you light at the right time. God will give you light at the right time. But then there's other times that we know what to do right and we don't. So anyways, what I wanted you to see is that there's a law. There's a law law to sin and death. None of us were good on that one. None of us did good on that one, did we? Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. None of us did good on that one, the law of sin and death. Now we're supposed to be, if we're not in that camp, we're supposed to be in the law of the Spirit. Now, as we go into the law of the Spirit, this, this law of the Spirit is not necessarily a law that condemns you, but it is, it is a law that works. It is a law that works. What do I mean by that? Well, when you get into scientific things, there's the law of, of, of gravity or the, the law of relativity. There's the law of thermodynamics. There's all kinds of different laws of nature. And the Spirit of God is the same way. There's the law of the Spirit of God, and that is as you interact with God, as you are alive in Christ, as the Holy Spirit has influence in you, you will live differently. You will walk differently. You will be able to walk on the high places of life. You will be able to walk over those things that used to crush you. You will be able to get through those storms that used to misdirect you. You will be able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than you could ever ask or think as the spirit of God is working in your life. You'll see things differently. You'll do things differently. You'll act differently. You'll live differently. It is a law that, and, and and listen, and sometimes we're like, I don't know, I don't, but there's a law. This is a law. It's kind of like if you eat ice cream, there's a law about that. You eat ice cream, you might have to get a bigger belt. There's a law, right? But it's with the Holy Spirit, there's a law. If you get alone with God and you get on your face before God, and you spend intimate time with God and you seek Him with a sincere heart and you pray until you pray through, you stay with it until God touches you. God still touches and if you'll stay with it till God comes upon you there's a law that'll happen. you'll come out of that closet you'll come out of that prayer closet with fire in your belly. You'll come out of that prayer closet with with a new language coming out your mouth. You'll come out of that prayer closet with a renewed mind. You'll come out of that prayer closet with a new purpose in life. Your purpose in life won't be to catch fish. Your purpose in life will be to fish for men. You you won't be about day-to-day living anymore. You'll be about living with God. It'll just change everything in your life. And so this law that, this law that happens is amazing. It's amazing. This law, this, as you interact with the Holy Spirit and, and, and walk in the Spirit, there's a law that'll happen. There's a law that'll happen. Notice this, notice this next part right here. Verse three, for the, for what the law could not do, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So here you see God is repeating himself but before that he's talking about what Jesus said. It says that the law had a problem. The law had a problem. It was weak through the flesh. What does it mean that the law was weak through the flesh? What does it mean that the law was weak through the flesh? It means that you couldn't get that, that round peg in a square hole. The law is perfect, but when the flesh tries to work the law, it's weak. It, it, it doesn't work, it doesn't jive, it doesn't, it's two different languages. The, 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 the law is holy, it's perfect. The flesh is not. So it, it's kind of like Android and, and Apple. They don't marry up, right? And so the, and I don't know which one you would correlate to the perfect, but you have this, the, the law is this standard, this holy standard. It comes from God. It is God-breathed. It's perfect, converting the soul. It's holy. It's righteous. But he's saying the, the flesh is weak in this area, meaning that in our own flesh, we can't keep the law. It was designed to be like a mirror to show you your imperfections. And you know what we do? How many of you have been in a season in your life when you just didn't look at the mirror because there was something you didn't want to see? I remember one time I had um, an accident and I had to do, um, it, they did surgery on my head. They had to sew all this stuff back together. And um, for six months, I couldn't get out of bed. That's how bad it was. It was bedridden for six months. And um, and, and, and I remember I didn't look in the mirror for six months because I didn't want to see. You understand what I'm saying? I, 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 did, I just didn't want to look. I was a kid, I, but I didn't want to look at it. I knew it was messed up. Every time, every time I was around somebody, they went, oof, oof. So whenever I I went by a mirror, I was just not even looking. Now think about this. If the law is a perfect mirror of God's righteousness, right, what does our flesh do? Mm, We avoid that thing. We look away. We go around it. We, we, we figure out ways that we can do whatever we can do without, without hearing somebody preach that standard, without hearing that standard exalted, without saying that it is a sin to commit fornication or adultery or, you know, go down the list. Flesh doesn't want to see how vile it is in the holy mirror of God's standard. That's why flesh pulls back. That's why, uh, it, you know, what you're seeing here, what he's saying here is that the, that the law couldn't do this because it was weak through the flesh. It, it, there was a certain point that the flesh couldn't hang. The flesh couldn't hang anymore at a certain point. So what did God do? The very thing, the very thing that was the weakest thing in God's creation, which is this. God came in this. Look at the beauty of that. Think about the beauty of that. The the, the very thing. The law was weak through the flesh. So what did God do? He came in the flesh. The part where we were the most utter failure, that's the part that God came in. God came in. Right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, And the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So the very thing that was the most failure, which is our flesh, which couldn't match the law, God came in that flesh. Why? So that he lived a perfect life, so that He, whenever he went to Calvary's cross and he was crucified for our sins, For the first time in all of creation and the last time in all of creation, flesh met the goal. The the law met its match when God walked on this earth in flesh. That's that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so as Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, then the law had no more stronghold over the flesh. The flesh finally came back. The flesh finally got one over and, and met the standard of God's law. And that's why if we're in Christ, that's why if we're in Christ and we're crucified with him, baptized in his death, raised a new life with him, then the law can't touch us because Jesus matched the beauty of the law. When he came and he lived a sinless life on this earth and he died for our sins on the cross, he, he matched the beauty of the law. He matched the majesty of the law. He matched the standard, the righteousness, the holiness, the perfectness. He matched it. And we're in him. And we're in him. So now you see why it says in verse 1 that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, That's the part that failed the law, but according to the Spirit. That means that I've been baptized with him in death, raised a new life by his Spirit, and I no longer walk according to this. I walk now according to the Spirit of God that compels me from the inside. That's what he's saying. And so there's these two laws at work. There's the law of sin, and there's the law of the Spirit. If you sow, if you sow to uh, the flesh and you sow to sin, what are the wages of sin? Yeah. Death. Amen. Romans 3. We already went through that. The wages of sin is death. What about the spirit? What if you sow into the spirit, what do you reap? He says in the same verse, life everlasting. So, we're going to sow according to the word of God into one or or the other of these laws. If you're born again, you're going to live according to your flesh or you're going to live according to the Spirit. There's a law for either one. You live according to the flesh, you're going to get something for it. You're going to get in jail. You're going to end up killing somebody. You're going to get a divorce. You're going to get bankrupt. You're going to get something. The wages is the payment. God said, you want, it, you, you want that? Here's the payment for it. The wages of sin is death. What about Spirit? Life everlasting life everlasting that's god's that's god's presentation to us as we see it in these verses and it says in 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 um so verse three is talking about how these things marry up verse four that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so that's that's just confirming what he said earlier verse five for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You ever tried to get somebody to, 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 to do godly things when they weren't ready for it? You ever tried to do that? The, the, the carnal mind doesn't understand the things of God and doesn't want the things of God. But a spiritually minded person Spiritually minded person, it, I say this a lot. There's, there's certain individuals, and I'm not going to look at any of them, But if we didn't come to the church and unlock the door, they'd be beating it down. And I'm not saying that this is the only church in town. I'm just saying that's the kind of pr- people they are. What do you mean by that? I mean that, they're, that you're not going to deter them from doing something spiritual. Because their mind's on the spiritual. There's other people that are carnally minded that the only way they're going to do anything for God is if you give them a t-shirt or a piece of candy. Or They're carnally minded. And so that's what he's saying. There's there's one or the other. Look at that. Those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If, 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 If you are always going after the things of the flesh, there's a problem. And I say that with love. Because it's going to end up biting you. You, you can mask it for a while. But, but there's a payment that will have to be made. If you always mind the things of the flesh, if you always go after the things of the flesh, the, the whatever you sow is going to be reaped. If you, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap of the spirit. And sometimes in the church world, we say that in an encouraging manner. You know, hey, look, just be faithful. Keep sowing to the Spirit. You're going to reap. Hallelujah, you will. But the reverse or the converse of that is if if somebody is sowing to the flesh all the time, there is going to be a harvest that they don't want. There's, There's going, the harvest is going to knock on their door. And it never comes the day that you want it to come. But it'll come. God if, if you read that, it says God is not mocked. Let me show you that. Let me show you that in, in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians is actually marries up with this very well. Galatians chapter 6. Now, this is beautiful stuff. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. D- do people mock God today? Yeah. I, I mean, I think somebody like Charles Darwin, they, they lived the life of mocking God. You come up with something like evolution, where people come from slime or something, They're mocking God. And people mock god every day but what does he mean by god is not mocked meaning what god said is going to happen that's what he means be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting and here's the clause And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So there is a, you know, there's a seed, time, and harvest. Never preached that here. But there is. There's a seed, a time, and a harvest. And, and, And what he's saying here is if you put in the seed to the flesh, it's there. It's there. And there's going to be a time that the harvest comes in. And I've ministered to people in prison that have sown the wrong seed. They sown the wrong seed. And then they became remorseful, and they found God, and they got saved. And you know what? They were still in prison. Why? God forgave them. They were... As far as the Lord goes, they were free and clear. But you know what? They had to pay a debt to society. There's you no know, judicial systems, uh, kind of a carnival right now. But, but the way that it should go is if you do, the, if you commit a crime, you have a debt to pay to society. God can forgive you, though. And what I've seen then and, and you know you you may have seen this too but what i've seen is those people that truly get saved and truly turn their life over to the lord he lightens the load he lightens the load it, it, they may go through the same storm but but they're on top of it i've seen somebody i've seen somebody get in a situation where they should have never gotten their driver's license back because they had so many dwis But on that last DWI, I think in Louisiana, they call it DUI, DUI it, but they, on their last DUI, they got saved. And you know what? They can drive. How did God do that? He gave them favor. Every single judge he hit, God gave him favor. Every single, uh, every single person, supervisor, um, every single person that he came encounter with, God put so much favor on this young man's life that, that God just worked all the details out. I, I believe with all my heart, had he not got saved, he'd still be in jail. Because after so many DUIs, you got an issue. But, but God... But God, and I was sharing earlier, this guy, he teaches Sunday school today. Teaches Sunday school. But I, and I've seen that. I've seen people, that, they'll, 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 they'll get in a situation, they've sown the wrong seed, but you know what? You, you might have to reap from that, but God can lighten the load of it. That God can lighten the load of it. So just to be a word of encouragement, just to be a word of encouragement, And then on the other side, those of you that are sowing to the Spirit, I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my pastor. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for this. And and it's not this. It's not working. It's not this. Stay with it. Look at that. You will reap if you faint not. Period. God will cause that harvest to come home if you'll stand in faith and keep doing what the Spirit is compelling you to do keep standing in the gap interceding praying speaking the word of faith standing in faith God's not going to be mocked the world may mock you for standing in faith but God won't be mocked they mocked Joseph And Joseph ended up being second in command over the whole nation. They mocked Moses, and Moses ended up leading the whole nation of Israel out of Egypt. God is not going to be mocked. Whatever he says is going to happen is going to happen. And if you keep sowing to the Spirit, God will bring a harvest to you. Don't faint. Don't faint. Don't give up. It's been been six months that I've been doing this. You know what? My wife prayed for her father for over a year. Over a year. You should hear it. When she tells the testimony, when he tells the testimony, it's with tears. She prayed for over a year, stayed with it. And you know what? One day she came home, and he was sitting in his recliner with a Bible in his hand. See, so God's just been dealing with me to get in the word. After a year of horror. After a you know, years of it. But it got so bad that she and her sister just determined they was just gonna pray until something happened. And and you may be praying for a child or a grandchild or a spouse. You may be praying for whatever. Stay, stay with it. God's not going to be mocked. Stay look, you're gonna get a testimony. This one was a year. Do you think that's the limit? I know my grandma prayed for me for years. But you know what? God's not mocked. And, and the harvest will come. If you faint not, if you keep staying with it, stay, stay with it. Stay with it. Stand on the word of God. Stand in faith. Faint not. God won't be mocked. You will reap. The harvest will come. It will happen. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. Um, One of the the things I wanted to show you in, in, in that right there is that there's this flesh and the spirit. And we all can get, you know, some of us walk in the faith and some of us, we live in the flesh. In First in Corinthians chapter three, which we don't have time on this one to go into, but it, Paul talks about there's carnal people. Car, the church was very carnal because they had all these divisions, they had hypocrisies, they they were envious of one another, they had boasting. There's a lot of flesh going on, and Paul couldn't teach them the word of God like he wanted to teach them because they were so babes in Christ. He said, so there there are times that the church or a church can get involved in these things, but that's not the way God wants us to live. God, God's gift to the church is the Holy Ghost. I mean, the, the Son of God is the gift to take away the sin, but the, the Holy Spirit is the gift to enable you and empower you to live a holy life. You can't do it on your own. The, as, if I've said it once, I've said it a dozen The Holy Spirit does not come just to help you do backflips. If you do backflips on in church, I, I I probably will buy you a cup of coffee one day. I I want you to do that. Please do that. It, you, but that's not why. Amen. The reason is because you can't live the Christian life in the flesh. You'll flame out. You'll burn out. You'll get mad and get frustrated. But there's there's there is a liberation that comes. God says in another place, place where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. There's, there's freedom. When, when the Holy Spirit comes and he enables you and empowers you, then you have that. Now, one of the things I wanted to get, in, get, get into, um, one of the things I wanted to get into, and in, uh, let me close back over in Romans 8. Let me close back over there. Romans chapter 8. We'll push push down into verse number eight. So where we were at is verse six and seven. Just to recap, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. There's some people... That You you can tell them all the Bible studies in the world, but if they're not willing to be subjected to God, what are you doing? There, there, there's there's something we have to understand. There's a subjection to the Spirit of God that we must, in other words, um, somebody has to ha- live a surrendered life to God. This is part of the law of the Spirit. You've got to be sub- submitted and surrendered to The Spirit. Wherever you go, Lord, I'll follow. Today's church, wherever I go, Lord, follow me. Is it true? Jesus said, wherever I am, there my disciple will be. Today's church, wherever I am, God's going to follow me. God may follow you, but to pull you out of a ditch. Because you're not supposed to be the one leading the way. He's supposed to be the one leading the way. We're supposed to be submitted and surrendered to the influence of the Holy Ghost. And so that's what he's saying right here. This this person, if we're resisting against that, we're not submitted to the things of God, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject or surrendered to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Verse 8. We'll stop right here. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. What does that remind you of? If somebody in the flesh can't please God, what does that, what does that remind you of? Where's another place in Scripture where, we're, where, what, where we know how to please God? Where? Let me show you. Let's close over in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You gave me some grace. This will be my second closing. Verse 6, it said that the the carnal mind, the one in the flesh, cannot please him, cannot please God. Okay, so what's the contrast, Pastor? Look at verse 6. You ready? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is the counteraction. The the life of the Spirit is going to be lived by a life of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and if you stay in that carnal place, you'll never, you cannot please God. In order to go from, from, from where you are to where God wants you to go, it's going to take faith and a surrendered heart to the Spirit. You're going to have to walk in the darkness when you can't see, but you're going to have to follow where God says to go and know, hey, if God said it, then he's going to make the way. God told me to go this way. I can't see five feet in front of me, but God told me to do this, and I'm going to do it. That's faith. That's faith. Come on. Noah building an ark. I've never seen it rain. God told me to build a boat. God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. Noah, you're a fool. Noah, you're crazy. Noah, you're a conspiracy theorist. Noah, you're this. Noah, you're that. God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. He said it was going to rain. I'm doing what he said to do. There's times that faith has to get like that. And if we don't operate in faith, we can't please God. If we don't operate in faith, we're carnally minded. So here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you is today's church world wants to vacillate in the middle we don't want to we don't want to live in the flesh because look nobody wants to be a hypocrite nobody wants to be a murderer nobody wants to be you know this and that nobody wants to you know be a bank robber okay the other end of the spectrum is the holy roller the 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 pentecostal power chamberines and shouting and stuff I, I'm good right here. I'm good right here. but you see it, it, it it's there's the fleshly mind and then there's faith that compels you to go past your natural comfortable place and, and in order for you to walk in the spirit you're you're, you're not going to be able to do it in in comfortable feel. The spirit will cause you to get outside of what's comfortable. He's the comforter, but he doesn't comfort the flesh. Now watch this. What we said earlier is there's, there's, the, there's, the law, there's the law of sin and death, and then there's the law of the spirit. What was in the middle? What was in the middle of that? Nothing. Lukewarm. Lukewarm's in the middle. And, and, and if you could now we don't want you to you know, don't cast aspersions on nobody But that's where by and large a lot of us have lived if we're honest is in a lukewarm place where we're not robbing banks We're not murdering folks. Good Lord. I hope not But we're not pressing into the spirit We're not walking by faith and being filled with the Spirit of God We've just gotten in, got into the, 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 uh, I got my name on the Sunday school ticket. I got, uh, I put my 20 in the offering plate. I showed up once a month to church. I served in the, this area. I did that. Now, leave me alone. Those things aren't bad, but God didn't tell you to not be bad. He told you to live by faith in the law of the spirit. So there's a pressing in over here. There's a pressing in. There's, there's the carnal mind, and then there's the spirit. The In the middle, in the middle, that's not going to bring revival. It's not going to break any yokes. It's not going to break any bondages. It's not going to give us light in the darkness. It's not going to set anybody free. It's not going to break any chains. It's not going to do any of those things. When you sing, he set me free, you're going to sing it like, The golf clapper, he set me free, he set me free. But if you walk in the spirit and you know the power of the Holy Ghost and he set you free from this, that, or the other, then you you don't sing, nobody can make you sing it with a golf clap. Is that true? Tell me, tell me. What you would want to do. Because God gives you a choice, just like He did in Deuteronomy. Set before you blessing and curses. Life and death. You know that He that He went on one mountain, Joshua went on the other mountain. Do you know that He didn't allow Israel to say, I'll just go somewhere in the middle? It it, it was, do you want blessings? curses or just indifference it, that, that was not the option and that's if we're if we don't watch out that's where the church tries to land that's where the church tries to land so i want to just end it right there because it says um, that the, the the carnal or the fleshly mind cannot please god but in order for us to we have to operate in faith. So it's not like it's just it, it's not like, well, I'm not a bank robber, so I can please God. That's what I want you to see. By pairing these two verses up. Then this is a whole sermon. I, I want you to know that. I, the, 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 teacher, the teacher right now is taking over because the preacher's like these two verses, man, this is a sermon. The the, the carnal mind cannot please God. But just because you're not carnally minded doesn't mean you do please God. Do you see that? Can you see that? The only way to please God is in faith, pushing forward, getting outside the comfort zone, being surrendered to the Holy Spirit, walking, walking after the Holy Spirit. You know, God will just cause you to go places and do things and use you in ways that you could never imagine and that you would never do if you stayed in that middle place so amen all right we'll close right there and if you have any questions we'll Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open the word of God, to hear the word of God. And Lord, we thank you for the the teacher, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts truth. God, I pray that you would minister your word to your people in the power of your spirit. And God, we pray that Jesus would be magnified and glorified in this teaching, in our lives. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody says.